Welcome to AM Best Audio. Much of the surplus line's growth in recent years can be attributed to cyber liability. I'm John Weber for AM Best TV, and we're at the WSIA Marketplace in San Diego. We have an outstanding panel today to talk about cyber liability. They are Patrick Thielen, Head of Cyber, Liberty Mutual, Ironshore. Steve Robinson, Cyber Practice Leader, RPS. Derek Kilmer, Associate Managing Director, Broker, Professional Liability, Burns and Wilcox. Glenn Manjos, Head of Wholesale Cyber, Axis Wholesale. And David Blades, Associate Director, AM Best. And David, let's kick things off with you today. How is the surplus lines market responding to cyber risk? Well, John, in the research that we've done for the annual report that we've worked on for the surplus lines insurance market, what we've seen is that over the last several years, surplus lines market has been providing more of the solutions new solutions that we've seen um, that have been brought to, to the market for cyber risks overall. Over the last couple of years, even since uh, 2020, we've seen the surplus lines premium for cyber risk tripling. And in last year, in 2022, we saw that the surplus lines market represented about 57% of the premium uh, for cyber risk that we saw that was written um, you know, to cover cyber risk. We've seen, again, the, the freedom of rate and form that surplus lines insurers have kind of feeds into their ability to be able to, to address the evolving cyber risk that we see in this you know, current and very dynamic market. Obviously, with all the technology, uh, new technologies come in there, new cyber risks that businesses are having to deal with. And so on the distribution side and obviously on the company side, it's taken a lot of ingenuity to really craft the coverage uh, in, in particular that can address these risks, but also from a surplus line standpoint, because they have the freedom of uh, to craft their own coverage, they can limit the coverage to be just you know, what they want to provide instead of having coverage that might be broad enough to get maybe misinterpreted uh, from a court perspective. So we've seen the cyber, uh, excuse me, the surplus lines market really come, you know, you know, come out with a lot of the uh, solutions, coverage solutions that have been needed uh, for cyber insurance. Derek, do you think surplus lines carriers are better equipped to develop new cyber solutions than standard market carriers? Yeah, thanks, John. Um, I think that the flexibility of the surplus line market provides a faster response to the, uh, you know, different issues that we're dealing with in the cyberspace. Um, as mentioned before, just the freedom of form and ability to add the different risk management tools and uh, adjust coverage to really meet the individual insured's needs is uh, is something that. Um, the surplus space has just done a, a nice job at, and uh, especially, you know, post and pre-COVID. Steve, what differentiates surplus lines from the standard market when it comes to cyber? Yeah, so I'll piggyback a little bit on what David and, and Derek have already said in the sense of one thing that's unique about cyber is as apparel itself, it's far different from anything else. So if you look at property risks or casualty, particularly with property, they're not inventing new kinds of wind or water or theft or, or fire, right? They've been around forever and that's how we've dealt with these things for years and years. The nature of the peril in cyber itself is constantly changing, evolving, adapting. And so you need the nimbleness of the surplus lines market to be able to adjust coverages, uh, insuring agreements, uh, and, and pull all the different levers that carriers see fit to whether it be rate, retention, um, 
sublimits, you know, and we've seen all of that over the last couple of years, but that, that becomes essential uh, in, in making sure that you can respond to even, it could be a vulnerability that's just been discovered, and all of a sudden you need an exclusion for that to make sure that we're not opening ourselves up to systemic risk. That's where the, the standard markets are going to have a bigger challenge in being able to quickly file those types of necessary changes. Derek, I noticed you nodding in agreement the whole way there. Yeah, no, I, I would agree, especially, um, you know, as in the surplus space, you know, we continue to partner on the security control side as well, which, um, you know, gives us the ability to have some faster response or partner with the third party IT firms of the insured to kind of help meet the needs of the whole supply chain. Uh, and that's that's been really important uh, in, in today's cyber market. Patrick, how do you mitigate cyber risk? Yeah, when I think about the job of a CISO, um, there's several layers to it, right? There's, you know, building a culture within your organization. There's building operational resiliency within your organization. There's obviously the technical security controls that most people would think of first. Uh, but the importance of partnerships is really important. I want to highlight that because I believe that there's no one person or company that's ever going to fully solve cyber risk. It really does take a village. It takes collaborative relationships and partnerships. And the cyber insurance community, both carriers and brokers and wholesalers, have a lot to offer in that regard. Um, you know, we see things every day, literally new claims every day. And it's very likely that, you know, when a policyholder is going through that dark hour where they're under attack and they don't know what to do, working with somebody that's seen that particular event or very similar events to that uh, can be hugely valuable in offering a helping hand with the right strategies and the right partnerships to, to resolve that incident successfully. You go along with that, Glenn? No, I do. I mean, it's, it really is a partnership when it comes from the carrier side to our broker to the insured. Um, you know, Steve was talking about property and I always look at uh, cyber insurance and you could have a building that's in a Cat 5 area. It's never going to move out of a Cat 5. They could get better, better windows, maybe better sprinklers, but it's always there. We could have a cyber insured that's in a Cat 5 situation with their network security posture, and then they deploy the right capital, they have the right risk managers, they get the right uh, software vendors, and now that Cat 5 is more like a Cat 2. But it's, it's a dynamic and evolving product. And you look at the carriers and what we're going and what we're doing is we're deploying that capital into our resources. So we're becoming better uh, equipped to understand the risk itself. Um, so when you have rates that go up because you have systemic risk or you have big vulnerabilities out there, the rates need to kind of manage that th themselves. And we as underwriters have to understand our insureds are becoming better at managing their risk. Um, and we have to become better at understanding what the exposure is, not just what is current, but what's in, in, in the future. So we have extortion, ransomware. Well, how are companies that stop paying that now going to be able to uh, restore? What is their business continuity? What is the business resiliency? And as a company and a partnership, we can get with our brokers and our insured and say, this is what best class looks like. Oh, and by the way, we have a great network of vendors that can provide those resources. And, and, and I think not enough has been said of the credit that should be given to the insurance industry in general for raising the overlying baseline security controls that businesses have taken on in the last few years. Because prior to there being a viable cyber market, there wasn't as much incentive maybe in some ways. You know, now if I want to get insurance, I have to do X, Y, and Z. And carriers have been very good and brokers about you know communicating that with their clients. It's really helped make the whole thing more resilient. Although it's a fight, we're always continually fighting. It's a 
So I'll be interested in everyone's thoughts where this market is headed. And Glenn, why don't we start with you? Um, I think we're in a good spot. I think we are looking at the risk in multiple ways, right? It's not just privacy. It's not just ransomware. And it's, it's identifying that, well, one, you always see capital that's coming into it, which means we're in the right spot, right? And being at a company that's been in the market for a very long, long time and being established, it's good to see that. Uh, but what's better to see is that the capital that's being deployed in our resources and in our training and advisory side so that we're not just kind of resting our, on our laurels. We're, we're educating our underwriters, our brokers, and our insureds and in what it means to have proper security and privacy uh, posture out there. I take a little different view as a wholesale broker, although I agree with Glenn. I, th I think I'm very bullish on, on where we're headed with cyber. I think it's a great opportunity. There's still, particularly in the SME space, uh, majority of businesses that don't have the coverage still, so that's a lot of runway for creating opportunity. Um, but at the same time, we're seeing a lot of conflicting marketing dynamics depending on which insurance carriers or MGAs are, are you're, you're dealing with. And so some, I think, we're starting to see with a lull that we had in ransomware activity in 2022, a race to the bottom again, in some cases on rate, while others are holding firm. Uh, and any that's, that's the normal dynamics of any insurance market, but sometimes it's a little more pronounced in cyber. And so I think now that we started to see losses tick back up again in 2023, you can't have lower rates, higher claims frequency, severity, continue to coexist and make that a sustainable market forever. So I think there will be changes coming um, that are necessary. And I think it's probably going to be somewhere in the second quarter of next year. It's not going to happen immediately or severe as what we saw in previous years, but I think it's definitely some adjustments that are going to be needed soon. Yeah, I think the you know, one thing, you know, and to underscore what you were saying, I think the one thing we can count on is that things are going to continue changing, probably continue changing rapidly. I think what we talked about before is the resources that we're pouring into it at every level, from an educational standpoint, both on the distribution side and on the company side, I think that's going to be imperative to continue keeping that up in order to be able to, you know, keep being able to address uh, within the surplus lines market and within the insurance market in general. Uh, the different changing dynamics that are impacting cyber risk from an overall standpoint. And I think, you know, again, you, you talked about the surplus lines market being able to, to utilize its freedom of rate and form to come to the market with those solutions quicker. I think that's that's an important thing, because not, not to make it sound like a, you know, a Marvel movie or anything, but right now the bad guys have been ahead of the good guys on, you know, on cyber risk. And I think, you know, in order to be able to address that, being able to be quick to the market and then being able to benefit from all the resources that are being poured in. I think that's an absolute imperative in order to be able to be successful on a going forward basis. Yeah, I, I agree with that commentary. I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of reasonable optimism for the short term, continued market stability, new layers of security and heterogeneity within technology risk as zero trust concepts get deployed throughout networks, et cetera. You know, long term, our industry does need to figure out cat risk and systemic risk, right? As we look at uh, projections that, that predict that our, grow, uh, th that our industry will grow to a, roughly $100 million 10 years out, right? For that continued growth to be sustainable, we have to keep doing what we've done well as an industry, which is being flexible and crafting unique innovative solutions, but we also uh, need to keep making progress on how we view cat risk and systemic risk, how we define those things and how we structure our, our market and our policies to some degree um, to address concepts like war and infrastructure and widespread events and catastrophic events. Some of the announcements that you've seen recently, for example, you know, with the partnership of CyberAccuView and Perils is potentially a step 
in that direction. There's a lot of other similar initiatives. Um, but this, this broad concept that you know, maybe 10 years ago we could say, hey, someday our market's going to need to come to grips to, uh, you know, with systemic risk if we get large enough. I think we're quickly approaching that point where we're large enough and, and to, to, to have an accurate view of where we're going 5, 10, 20 years out, systemic and cat risk is a big part of that conversation. And, and it's top mind of all the underwriting com companies, right? So it's not something that's gonna, we're gonna be blindsided by it. Uh, we're all very much aware of the systemic risk of the future, what it may or may not hold. But the key is that we understand that and we're not going in, in, into it blind and we have a very healthy net network, a very healthy uh, ecosystem when it comes to the cyber in, in environment, when, whether, whether it's underwriting or it's our brokers. Um, I, I feel that there is this, um, this just common, well, we all have a, a common, uh, common desire to see this market continue to grow in a healthy way. And I think, uh, you know, none of us have a crystal ball either as far as where the cyber market's going to go as the, you know, regulatory compliance side of the house changes, um, along with the, you know, war uh, side and, and different, different avenues and the, the new hacks that are going to come out that we're not aware of, I guess, in today's today's world. I think the, the biggest thing is that um, from the carrier and broker side, we continue to educate our clients and continue to push controls and continue to push those reviews of controls to make sure that, um, you know, we're very agile to, to kind of jump in um, and, and mitigate these breaches. And uh, I mean, supply chain's another thing that we haven't really got into, but we're one incident away on that from kind of going, not back to square one, but backwards from uh, where the market's stable in today's uh, in today's society so all right well what a great discussion Patrick Steve Derek Glenn David thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today and from the WSIA marketplace in San Diego I'm John Weber for I am best TV Looking to get the attention of the insurance industry? We have the platforms to do just that. Whether it be AM Best TV, AM Best Audio, Best Review Magazine, or Best Day. Find out more by contacting our Advertising Services Business Development Team at 908-882-1706.